You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. Anyway, welcome to Black Guy Therapy. It's been a while, we know. So sorry. But anyway, if this is your first time listening to us, we are a therapeutic podcast. That's what we call ourselves. We are a therapeutic podcast. We are designed for black men to vent about issues that generally we don't speak about in our daily lives, right? We are an open door of just emotion and happiness and everything else. But again, if this is your first time listening to us, we're here for you. And uh, we're glad that you decided to listen to us today. What's up, Joe? Man, my brother Todd, I miss you, man. This is this is fantastic. Yeah, it's been a while. But, you know, hey, look, I'm back. We can do this regularly again. Everything is all good. Yes, yes. Love to hear it. Yeah. Love to hear it. Yeah, so it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's funny. I've been away, um, but... I've been trying to do some other things um, and somebody just randomly was listening to us that I knew um, I was telling them about our podcast and they were like, did you have a, um, they're like, you had, I want you to read me like a bedtime story. You have like a, a like a, a, a radio voice. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm really country. I don't know about radio voice. <laughs> so um, I was like, I think Joel has more of that than, than I do. And they were like, well, both of y'all kind of do. So I was like, eh, okay, well, whatever, whatever you want. Whatever works. Yeah, whatever works for you, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, that happened, whatever. Anyway, how have you been? Man, really good. Things have been working in my favor. So uh, I'm just, I'm receiving every blessing I can right now, man. No complaints. Happy, healthy, family's healthy. So, so. We doing all right. How about you? How are you doing? Well, I'm home. So that's number one. Yes, sir. That's amazing. So I feel great. I'm in a new house. Feel great. See my family again. Wonderful. Right. Um, everybody is healthy. My dog is, is I don't know, He he's on, some days he's healthy and some days he's not. But he's getting older, right? He's like 10 years old. So, um wow. Like tiger. Yeah, tiger. Like tiger has heart disease, so tiger can't breathe sometimes because his heart is so enlarged. Wow. Um, so he will wheeze, and I'm like, "Are you about to die?" <laughs> but he bounces back. He's on medication. He'll bounce back, and you know he'll be he'll have four or five days where he act like nothing's wrong. So. Okay. But yeah. Other than that, everything's good. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Glad to hear it, man. Glad to hear it. I, uh, I, I gotta say, man, it, uh, it, it's so awesome. You know, just the thought of being able to talk about stuff. I, we, of course we've had this conversation. I don't know how many millions of times at this point, even here on uh, BGT, but just being able to talk about what's going on, you don't realize how therapeutic that is until you don't have that in front of you anymore. Right. So it's a, uh, it's, it's just a really cool feeling to be able to talk about stuff that's going on, get it on off your chest, feel better, move on. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about today, man. I think, I think the things we're going to talk about too are going to be really beneficial for a lot of folks also. Well, that's nice. Cause here's the thing. Here's the thing about it, right? Like 
Joe is leading the season four. So every time I come here um, and and do this, we we do this 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 podcast. It's always new to me, so <laughs> I can't wait for yeah. you to tell me what this is going to be about. We're also, we're going to be joined by, um, hopefully, we'll be joined by um, our our residential doctor, what we call the good doctor, uh, the good doctor. He, he's doctor of pharmacy, but hey, doctor nonetheless, right? <laughs> he, he he can slang pills, but uh, <laughs> but he's going to be with us too. So that'll be awesome. Hopefully, he shows up, and hopefully, we'll yeah. have Henry too to to join in on whatever today's stuff is too. Yes, yes, and we'll fill him in. They pop on, we'll 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 catch them up real quick and then we'll just keep it moving. Literally. Okay. Well, what what we got today, sir? So, a couple of things. First, I do want to I know we're wanting to get a little bit more into the actual emotions that we go through on this season, but because it's been so long and so much has happened, I do think we should probably touch on some of the things that are going on in the world and then move into the topic. And the topic, I'll go ahead and I'll tease it now, but I want to talk about anger and I'm going to pose this question and I want you to hold on to your thoughts and your answers, but we'll get there. Is anger a lead emotion? Is anger a lead emotion? And we'll get there, but I want to talk to you about some of the more recent stories that have popped out um, right on the, the tail end of everything, all the social unrest, all the injustices that have taken place that have taken place last summer, um, most notably the George Floyd situation. We have a, a conviction on all three counts with Derek Chauvin. And I want to start there. The first thing I want to say, and I want to hear your opinion on this, I was a little, I was a little sad when the conviction came out because initially my mindset was, oh, oh we got one. Right after that, my mindset was, were the jurors really interested in giving this man a fair trial or were they concerned with part two of what we saw in the summer of 2020? And I can't help but to think that more than likely a lot of folks were worried about seeing a repeat and not just a repeat. Cause I think if it would have been a Rodney King situation where there was a, a, a full acquittal, the turn up level would have, would have dwarfed what we saw last summer. So I want to stop there and, and get your thoughts, your opinion on that. Well, that's, that's a, that's a loaded, it's kind of loaded, right? Like you, you threw a lot of things at me. So let me just, yeah. I'm gonna go piece by piece from, from what I remember. Right. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, yes, sir. Please do. So as far as the jury was concerned, um, whether or not they wanted to have another or, or not have, you know, what happened last summer happen again, right? Uh, and whether or not they gave this man a fair trial. I believe based on, because I watched, I watched the trial. Did you watch it? I watched a lot of it, which is surprising. I didn't think I would, but I wanted to watch it way more than I wanted to. So Yeah, and, and I'm the same way, right? I didn't get to catch all of it because I was, I was working during the day, but uh, they would show the the replays of it at night yes. um, on C-SPAN. Yes. You could watch the whole thing on C-SPAN. Um, why I was watching C-SPAN, don't know, but obviously the trial was on it. Um, yeah. But if you listen to the testimony that was given from all the witnesses, um, even even the the defense witnesses, 
I mean, it was kind of a, a, a clear cut, you know, clear cut and dry case, right? The man didn't follow their protocol. The, he didn't follow what was in their manual. And everybody said that even, even, um, even the, the, what was it? The chief, didn't the chief testify or like some the lieutenant, somebody big in their department testified. Yes. A high official did. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's like, yeah, we don't, we don't teach that. And they don't, I know that for a fact, I know that they don't teach that. Um, so when you look at it that way, if you're going based on, Hey, did this officer have the authority to do what he did? Then, then no, right? Like he didn't. So I think I think that's where we get kind of confused because, like, when we when we talk about officer involved shootings, right? When we talk about an officer shooting somebody, the 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 law is so broad. Like, well, did the officer have the right to shoot that person? Yes. What gave him the right to shoot that person? Well, um, you know, the officer felt his life was in danger. Whatever, whatever, right? But this was a situation where it's like. The, there is the law says that you don't put your knee on somebody's neck. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The manual yeah. says don't put your knee on somebody's neck. And he yeah. did all of those things, right? And and did not let up, right? Which led to this guy's death. So I say all that to say in terms of the jury not wanting what happened to happen, I think they gave him a fair trial. And I think based on the evidence that was presented to them, they made – the decision that was right for them, right? Um, so that that's that's what I say on that. Now, if if it wouldn't have happened the way we wanted it to happen, would the city have turned up? Maybe. Actually, ain't no maybe. I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> it, it would have went down. Actually. Absolutely, absolutely. Were they ready for it? Yeah. Most most definitely were ready for it because I don't know if you know the day before the verdict they started putting up um, chain link f- fences around yes. the, the courthouse and yes. and other places so they knew something was going to happen right the potential was there yeah. yeah so they were ready for it but yeah I mean and then I say this I'm I'm gonna go here with it I'm happy like that that's one of the and and I don't know if you saw this. Let me go back. Let me back up one step. I don't know if you saw this, but there's like another investigation open on Mr. Chauvin um, because there was somebody that I don't know how many years ago, but they also um, are either suing him or has sued this guy in the past for doing similar a similar instance. Did you see that? I did not, but I did see that they were looking into the actual relationship that potentially could have existed between George Floyd and Derek Chauvin previous when uh, he worked at that club as a bouncer. Uh, see, I, now I knew that, but I didn't know. So, and and that's weird. So, if if they worked together, why didn't this dude know him? Like, why didn't he, like, come on, come on, um, Yeah, you know. George, like, well, come on, what, like, why are you acting like this, right? Yeah. Why wasn't there that type of interaction? Yeah. So. Yep. So, and and I'll say this, I I'm actually going to go the opposite way, Todd. I I don't think he got a fair trial. I think, as I I think people were afraid of what would happen, and that definitely 
persuaded subconsciously the the individuals, the jurors, to make the decision they made. However, I do believe we don't need to celebrate because this this is due process. This is the way the process is supposed to work. You look at the evidence, and without bias, without all these other things, you hear the testimony, the the whatever the case on both sides, defense, and then the the plaintiff. You hear both sides. You take the evidence everything that you've heard and you make a decision based on that. I think that part was followed, but I don't believe he got a fair trial. But even though I don't think he got a fair trial, justice was served because what he did was obviously wrong. Not even close. It was clearly wrong. So I'm I'm glad it happened. But what I don't want is for what kind of made me sad is I saw us celebrating and I say us, I mean, black people celebrating, but I'm like, we shouldn't celebrate what should be the norm? We should look at this and be like, all right, the process that is supposed to be in place for equal justice, equal, that was followed. Good. Let's continue to just push for equal justice, period. Not celebrate because we didn't win anything. A man's life was lost. Let's continue to push forward. And then we fast forward. And during the same time, this trial was going on, a young man named Dante Wright was killed in Minnesota. Yeah, that was crazy. And 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 I'll say this, Todd, I'm Henry is a heavy proponent on black on black crime doesn't exist. And I agree with them. You commit crime in the circles that you you just happen to be a part of. Yeah, I believe and we that. know that. We know that, that yes. that's true because um so black on black crime was that was the Reagan era and mm-hmm. they brought that up just to to help further the um the war on drugs, right? Like correct. That that helped them get their footing for the war on drug narrative. So absolutely. Now here's what I'm gonna say. I preach this all the time on this show. We have got to do a better job of owning our communities in the sense of if I have a next door neighbor and I'm not speaking to my next door neighbor, that's a problem, or at least it should be. The less interaction we have to have from outside resources, the less likely we are to have incidents where those outside sources do something that impacts the community that we come from negatively. That should be like a common sense thing at this point. And when I I look at Dante Wright and I look at his history, three different high schools, multiple cases against him, uh, uh, robbery. I, I forget what the charge was, but I think it was, um, I can't remember what the charge was, but he and another guy broke into this woman's house, robbed her at gunpoint. Uh, evading the law that happened on multiple occasions so we look at him now and you listen to his mom talk and to his dad talk and they're like oh he was such a great no he wasn't a good kid but he wasn't a good kid because his parents failed him not because he was black or or biracial because mom is white dad is black it has nothing to do with color it has everything to do with where where do you come from the people that are rearing you what are they about what are they doing what are they putting into you you listen to all the three high schools he had 
uh, uh, mentors and, and peer, I forget what they call them, but he had all these folks that he was working with at each one of these three stops in his high school career where there was no mention of a diploma. And it's like, dad, what are you doing? Where are you at in this? Why didn't your son, when he was pulled over, call you? Why did he call mom? And, and it's just, it, it bothers me because I'm like, we have got to do a better job in our communities of being present with our children. We've got to do a better job of teaching our children to respect authority. And that starts with respecting parents. And, and when I look at him, I'm like, clearly, he didn't respect the authority because when we saw him attempt to e get away from the police, it wasn't the first time. And it, and it sucks because even though that's the case, he should still be here today. He should still be living. That is a fact. But the bigger picture is he still ran from the police. Not the first time. He still has a rap sheet that's just about as long as my arm. That's where we need to be focusing our attention. And see, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's the lawyer in me. I don't know. <laughs> but was it his parents? Like, was it his parents' fault? What if, what if his parents work full time to provide mm -hmm. for him and they're not able to be around because the system that they are living in has put them in such a, a bind where they have to be gone. Right. And what if they, like you said, if, if you don't know your neighbors, right? Like he lives in, in this system. A lot of people call it the trap, right? We know that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and this system literally, if, if you can't get out of it, it will eat you alive. Facts. So, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to put it on this man's parents or well, his parents didn't do the correct job because his parents may have did everything right. They may have just been trying to make ends meet. They've been, may have been trying to provide. And because they were so focused on trying to provide for their child, they weren't able to teach the things that they needed to or the things that they wanted to because they were so focused on trying to survive. And I think that's where a lot of times we get, we get so caught up um, saying, well, if, if the parents would have did this, if the parents would have did that. And, and I hate, I, I don't hate that saying, but I do hate, hate it some, some at some point. Right. Because it's the same thing that, um, white folks say about black kids all the time. Well, if you, if your parents should have did this, your parents should have did that, and it's it makes it seem like our parents are around all the time and able to do these things for us, like, and and, and I hate to generalize white children, but like white children and in white families. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, do you, yeah, get, for sure. you get the point I'm trying to make. I do. And, and, and oddly enough, I agree with that. So while I said what I said, I agree with what you're saying. And I think the reality is we have to come to grips with the ultimate reality, which is this world, this life that we're living here in America, it's not fair. And we know that. And, and the reality is, I personally believe we do ourselves a disservice by not acknowledging that with our actions. I'm not just saying, yeah, America, you know, it treats black people this way. Okay, cool. We've said that. Let's move on. We know that. 
what are your actions as a result? If Joel is 18 years old and Joel is being reckless and Joel has a baby, Joel has just created a situation that is setting him back and setting that child back. Is that a fair assessment? I have put myself in a bind. Right. Because, because if, if I did not have that child, the opportunities that present themselves are going to be different and how I'm able to respond to those opportunities are going to be different. All I'm saying is I'm not trying to put this on the parents, but I am asking the question, how often do we truly hold ourselves accountable for the choices that we make? Whether that's the person that we choose to, to lay down with, whether that's, I know I don't have a dime in my pocket and I'm not being uh, uh, responsible. I'm going to go ahead and shoot the club up. If she get pregnant, she get pregnant. I don't have a job. I don't have this stuff that they tell me I need to have in order to be a productive citizen. I'm going to just do it anyway. At what point do we start to own the accountability for ourselves as an individual? And then at what point do we hold ourselves accountable for the outcomes of the communities in which we represent? And that's what I'm referring to. So I'm looking bigger picture as opposed to just that situation. Because if you look at a lot of different cases, heck, look at Breonna Taylor. They presented us Breonna Taylor that was uh, in the a medical professional. I'll use that term as somebody who works, whether it's EMT, whatever it is. Her family was like, no, she, she's not involved in any of these any of this stuff with any of these types of people. And then we get the evidence. Oh, they were listening to his phone calls in jail, talking to her, where they're saying they love each other and what he's going to do to her when he get out of prison. His phone calls with other people talking about her. They have them on video going to her house, him getting out, going to the house, getting the package, which is what solidified the no-knock warrant in the first place. But her family did not say any of that stuff. So... I guess for me, I'm trying to do a better job of not being race baited. Anytime there's an incident that involves a white person and a black person, instantly there's this sense of rage and outrage that I have. Um, Christian Cooper, I believe his name was, the, 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 the brother that was in Central Park bird watching. Going back now, reading his account of the situation, he instigated all of that. But immediately we went at her because what she did was egregious and it was a repeat of history. But that shouldn't be the surprise. We've seen that happen before. We've seen Emmett Till as an example. We've seen white women say that black men have done things intentionally because they know what's going to happen. So we've seen that. But he instigated the entire situation. But that was not the way the situation was presented to us. And I feel like there's a great job being done on us to keep us either divided from ourselves within our culture or divided from white folks, hating them for the things that they do and, and making it this huge thing as opposed to what are the actual facts? What actually happened? So that's kind of where I am in terms of current events, what's going on. I just want us to stop depending on other folks to be the uh, the cause, the reason why things start happening better for us. I want us to start taking that ownership and that accountability on where we come from, the people that we associate ourselves with, the the history, where we come from, all of that. Just own it 
be accountable for ourselves and then accountable for our communities. So based on your last statement, um, do you think, do you think, and, and this is, this is, I say it's off the wall. It's not really off the wall. I think it's, it's in line with what we're saying. Okay. But do you think that policing, policing communities in general, whether black, white, whatever, do you think that that helps or not helps, but do you think that, well, yeah, do you think that that helps further the, uh, the the narrative that you just that you just said right like so if if I'm if I'm white and and I live in a white community and <clears throat> white people are pe- policing my community and and doing a good job and then if I see a black person in the community that's that's not normal and I stop them right like then I'm policing my community but it doesn't look the same because it's like oh well, you ain't from here, right? And 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 I say that to say, it's almost like history re- repeating itself. It is, yeah, over and over again. Like because I look at I look at policing and I look at the the origins of policing in the in the Americas, um, and and what it started from. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I, I and I feel like. By doing what you said, right? If 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 white people do that, um, even if black people do that, right? Because it can it can go both both ways, right? If if it's a white person in our community, and we're like, ooh, that that's that's not normal. Let me get up in a grill. Are we not going to um, keep rinsing and repeating this cycle? Yes, if we do it that way. But that's not what I'm saying when I say policing our own communities. I'm talking about the accountability towards the product that leaves from your community. So as an example, if my next door neighbor, I'm looking out of my window and I'm seeing the kids and they're throwing rocks at other neighbors' houses and I don't say anything and those kids in five years become um, juvenile delinquents, I feel like that should be, a part of that should be my fault because I did not say anything. And I didn't say anything more than likely because I have no relationship with those parents that are the next door neighbors. So I live within 10, 20 feet of these folks and don't have a relationship at all to the point where I won't even say anything to their children when they're doing something they shouldn't be. To me, that's a problem. If my children in the community I live in that you were a part of, Todd, if you saw Sincere out there doing something crazy, you have my permission 1 million percent to get out there and check them. Oh, I don't need your permission. I'm going to check them anyway. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's just, we different people. <laughs> right, right. But you, you're on page with what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. That's what, I'm, I'm not talking about what comes in. I'm talking about what goes out. Right. If you are not accountable for what goes out of your house, your community, some of that falls on you. And I'm saying we need to be more accountable. What comes in, you can't control. You can be aware. You can pay attention. You can ask questions. We had a situation over here. You already know the folks that that was over there on your side of town where you had to go out there with that thing. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. That was weird to you. So you went out there to handle that situation. But what happens if Sincere is Minister Society number one and you haven't said anything to him. Do you feel accountable for any of that? If something happens to him, right? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. 
that's what that's what I'm asking for. I'm not asking for us to do something that that ooh that kind of looks kind of shit. No. Do what you know is the right thing. Me and you got a relationship. I need you to check sincere if I ain't there. I know you're gonna do it anyway, but that's what I need. And you know, I I, I think um, just thinking about this, the totality of it, right? Like you think about the neighborhoods that we grew up in, right? Like um, I grew up in on on the black side of town, right, where everybody literally on my side of town was black and mm-hmm. everybody knew everybody you know you could run up in so-and-so's house and it you know it's like your own house right and and yep. we've talked about this that you you know you mess up you, your mama knew before you got to the house because right they was on the phone right um and and it's not like that anymore right it's not mm-hmm. you know we live in these we live in these communities now where, I mean, let's be real, right? We 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 move we we moved to the deluxe apartment in the sky, right? Preach, so, um, preach. The the communities that we're moving into don't look like the communities that we grew up in, so we're not able to foster those relationships like like we 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 have in the past, right? Like we did in the eighties and the nineties, yep. right? In the seventies, yep. I mean it. Because let's be real, black people lived together because they had to live together. Absolutely. Um, there was no choice. they wanted to, but yes. they had to because that was all the housing that was available, which it brings me to a very good book. I think I've talked about this book before, but, you know, The Color of Law, right, where the federal government um, actively without, without overtly um, doing it, they, um, I guess they did it covertly, um, was able to segregate neighborhoods just by by uh, making laws for um, corporations to to build houses, right? Like it, it's crazy, right? They're like, hey, well, the gov- the federal government says, hey, we'll give you money to build these houses or to build this neighborhood. However, your HOA bylaws have to say that no black people can be in this neighborhood, right? So they did it that way. So they, you know, it's like, hey, we're we're directing it, but we're washed our hands with it too, right? So they right. can so deny it if, if it ever comes up. But these records are coming out, right? Like the, this yeah. this paperwork still exists. But yeah. again, I'm trying to say like the the communities that we that we that we grow up in now, they're not like the communities that we grew up in. Right? So I th- I feel like the the thing that we're trying to get to, we would have to go back to the communities that we grew up in, and I don't yeah. know. You just I guess depending on where you are, you may or may not see that a lot. Like especially I mean around where we're at, yeah, yeah, we we may see it. I mean definitely in in our neighborhood, right? Like it's pretty, I mean it's pretty diverse, but everybody knows everybody, right? Right and right. And, you know, we can we can check whoever at at, at any time, um, right. but you know, not every the neighborhood I'm in now isn't like that. Mm. You know, so it, I think it's yeah. hard to to get that that to have that feeling or to have that sense of pride in a community where everybody can do that when you don't have the luxury um, to do it, right? Because, yeah. like I said, the neighborhood I'm in now. 
I mean, it, it's it's definitely definitely not like the one you're in now, like the one you're in. Yeah, you know, so it's tough, right? And and these are the things, right? Like the, these are why you see um, that family in Georgia buying up all that land, trying to make yes. their own city, right? These are yep. these are why you see these things because at the same time we are trying to change uh, the narrative that has been played out, the stereotypes that have been played out. Um, on us, you know, for, for decades, for centuries, sure. right? So, Sure. And, and I'll say this, and, and I'm going to reference it. Um, I, I'm a big believer in, in giving credit where credit is due. A podcast I, I actually frequent is The Hood Nerd. Um, and something that he said on his show was, it's interesting that a lot of times when we leave the communities that we come from, for whatever reason, I don't, and I don't think it's wrong to leave those communities, but when we leave the communities that we come from, we'll be in these communities where it's folks that don't look like us, and we'll have a much different um, disposition. So we'll be, we'll speak more, well, hey, how you doing, neighbor? How's everything? Oh, we're more cordial. But when we're in the neighborhoods that we come from, we're way more guarded. We're made way more cautious. We're less likely to build those relationships. And, and I'm only speaking about my experience. So this may not be the case for everyone. I need to say that as, as the, the caveat um, so people know this isn't the rule. This is Joel's exception. But in my neighborhood growing up, there wasn't any of that. It wasn't like everybody that was in my neighborhood was, was, was cool with each other and we talked with neighbors. Nah. If there were kids in the neighborhood that were your age, you may have a relationship with the kids. And as a result, if you want to go play with them, parents got to meet first because that's just what it was. But it, it wasn't like everybody was friends. Everybody was uh, concerned with the, the potential for those children or your best interest, your house, making sure that nobody tries to break in, stuff like that. Our next door neighbor actually tried to break into our house when I grew up. So it was like, it's totally different. I could not imagine, not saying it wouldn't happen, but I would be hard pressed to believe that one of my neighbors that I live by right now would try to break into my house. And that's interesting to me when I think about it. Yeah. And if they did right now, it wouldn't end well. <laughs> and if they did, it wouldn't end well, yes. <laughs> Technology also has played a big factor in that too. I will say that, you know, ring ring cameras and, and vivid camera systems and nest and all that, that didn't exist back in the day. Yeah. So so there's there's that too. That does play a factor in it too. Yeah, it's you know, and, and I think that leads well for me, it kind of leads me into is anger lead emotion, right? Like I think when you look at the history of uh, black people in the Americas, um, I mean, is anger a lead emotion? Hell yeah, right? Because first we were stolen by our own people, then um, sold by our own people, and then shipped by, well, in the beginning, shipped by the Portu Portuguese, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, when you have all those emotions that goes down generation, 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 right? Like 
there's there's anger, there's resentment, there's all type of stuff there, right? Because you're angry, you're gone, you're you know you're angry, whatever for whatever we lost our war, we lost whatever, we lost our family. Um, I think, and I say this all the time, you know, um, trauma can be carried in your genes. I and, agree. And and is anger a lead emotion? Hell yeah. I mean, I I think of I think of things just. it could be the smallest things right and then instead of just taking a second to to breathe and and think about it you get mad about it right and that's and maybe it's not you know your your first first emotion or what you really want it to be your first emotion but it is because you have that history in your bloodline of this emotion and it's hard to 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 get rid of it right like if you see it time and time again going back like if you see um, somebody beating up on somebody day in day out, right? And you and you watch that growing up your whole life, then that's probably what you're gonna do too, because you're looking like, oh, this is normal. So right. I think for us, it's normal, and it is a lead emotion for us because it's been normalized for so long, right? And I mean, just in more recent history, um, you know, we're looking in 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 reconstruction or right after reconstruction, right. Um, where there was this crusade to kill as many black people as they could. There's this anger, right. That this resentment and all these things and that, and that just keeps going. Right. I think it has evolved. I mean, it hasn't changed. It has evolved. I say it hasn't changed. I changing is evolving. Right. Um, <laughs> it, I, I guess mean. it hasn't, um, it doesn't look the same, right? It's 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 it, it has definitely evolved into something else, and we're trying we're calling it by a different name now, and we're trying to battle it just like we were, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy years ago. So, is anger for me a lead emotion? Sometimes it is. Um, is it a lead emotion for a lot of brown skinned people? Most definitely, it is. In my opinion, no, I like it. I I like it. I agree. I, and and the reason I brought that up because when we started this season again, and the focal point was more some actual emotions. How do we deal with actual emotions? And this might turn into a a, a two part session, but um, first I want I want to talk about emotions and understanding that there are multiple emotions. And when I asked the question about being a lead emotion. I want, to, I want to paint a little bit of a picture here for everyone. When I was in high school, every fight that I saw without fail, I'll say, and you know what, I'll even give a little bit of a window or a little bit of room for error because there are no such things as absolutes. 95% of the fights that I saw, there was an opportunity for that fight to not happen there was something that took place that forced that person's hand. So I hear you. And I like what you're saying about anger being a lead emotion, but I actually disagree. I think there are other emotions that happen first that force the anger. If, if we're in school and you did something and you embarrassed me in front of somebody else, that embarrassment is the emotion. That's the lead emotion. As a result of me being embarrassed, I get angry. If I'm scared and I I feel like I don't know what to do, then that might shift into anger. If I'm nervous, anxious, depressed, 
there's a myriad of emotions out there. It may generally shift to anger. So that's where I'm coming from. I'm thinking about just emotions in general and how we deal with them. And I think about, like I said, all the fights I saw and I'm like, this person, you could tell they didn't want to fight. You could see it on their face, but they had no choice because it was brought to them. Being embarrassed, especially in our community, I'm going to say is one of the leading causes of violence and death amongst us is embarrassment. And if people were more equipped to deal with their emotions, I don't think anger would even be an issue. And I'm hoping we get to the point one day where we can avoid that. So I heard somebody say, there comes a point in every situation that's uncomfortable, every situation that can escalate, there comes a point when you can walk away from that situation. But once it gets to about a level seven, that's it. It gets to seven, you in it. You can't run away from it. You can't back away from it at this point. Feelings, emotions, whatever it is, are running so hot that something's going to happen. And the one thing that's never considered is what is the repercussions? What is the outcome going to be? So when I'm asking that question about emotions and anger and if it's a lead, that's where I'm coming from. What other emotions lead to anger? And if we could get control of that in our communities, what would that look like? That's a good question. I mean, I guess I've never thought about it like that, right? Um but I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how we could do that. And and the good doctor has just joined us, um, making all this noise for the people. Making all this noise. Yeah. Um. But no. I mean, I, you know, Joe. I, I think about it like this. I, I, and I'm gonna go back because I, you know, me, my brain works. I have to take it piece by piece. Mm-hmm. Um. But you talk about we hit this we hit this mark where if it's a seven right like it and I get that right like there comes a point where it's like all right I'm I'm here I'm here now mm-hmm. and and I'm gonna say this you don't have to agree with me but I'm just gonna throw this point out here is is World Star not that seven it's like that permanent seven it is <laughs> you know what I'm saying like as soon as somebody says World Star. It's, it's it's the permanent seven. It's like, all right, I'm here. I got to do it now. Yep. And and yep. maybe that's our downfall. Maybe that's that's you know one of the things that that yeah, it's great for us. It's an entertainment platform that you know. I'm assuming it's run by black people. It may not be right, but um, it has actually kind of helped to destroy some of our, you know, our, our positive images. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's my point. That's exactly where I'm going with it. There are outside factors that we can uh, attribute to the way we respond. If somebody accidentally steps on my shoes at my age right now, I'm not going to be mad. I'm be like, Oh man, these are some new kicks. I might be disappointed, 
but I'm not going to be mad to the point where now we're getting into a physical altercation. And when, when, when men fight, it's a good chance somebody going to die. Yeah. Because the next escalation on that is I'm gonna get my gun. Right. And I'll tell this quick story. I used to play ball out, um, out in Franklin and I, I was playing with this guy and I stepped on his shoe while we're playing, playing defense. And he got mad and was like, man, you stepped on my shoe. Now me, I'm like, really? And I was like, I was like, yeah, my bad, man. I was like, but you know, we, we hooping, right? It's a good chance you, your shoe would get stepped on. What I did not know is it was the first time I'd ever seen this guy. He was notorious for being emotionally unstable getting into altercations over ridiculous stuff and just snapping at the drop of a hat. I didn't know this. I didn't know anything about him. I had never seen him before. I hadn't been to the, that particular gym in a long time. And then I'm starting to hear all these stories after about who he is. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this dude was so emotionally unstable. He was looking for a reason to have a problem with me for us to get into an altercation. But I didn't know. And I'm assuming I disarmed him with my response. Now, just imagine if I would have been like on 10 with my response to him, like, man, shut up. Yeah. Yo, shoes. You know, man, I, imagine what would have happened. We probably would have been in there tussling. Right. And, and and maybe there's some background trauma trauma there, right? Like obviously yes. we don't know what's going on, but maybe there is. And and I know, like, we have about 10 minutes left, and, and Gerard, it's great to see you. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, I had to, uh, we had went went out for a second, just not getting ready to come back. So I just wanted to join you guys, see if you were still on while I was, while I was coming. And I hear the conversation you're having, and it sounds like I, I, I missed out earlier, so. Yeah, but you know what? I'm about to fill you in real quick. Here's the question of the day. Is, is, is anger... Um, a lead emotion. Is that is that what we're talking about, Joe? Is that, is that, did I yes. word that properly? Is anger yeah. a lead emotion? Oh, I, I, for some it is. Um, I, I know some guys who who lead with 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 anger. I feel like because they that that's all they think they know. Uh, they don't want to seem soft. They don't want to seem emotional. To be that, oh man, you just emotional mm -hmm. that type of guy. Um, especially with sports, I know we've seen that guy who's, you know, emotionally detached and act like they don't have feelings, act like they can't cry, act like they, you know, can't show any emotions or certain men will think they're weak. And, uh, you know, I feel like those guys are the ones who are constantly the ones who get their shoes stepped on and have a problem. Like what you said, Joe, from listening to you, those are the same guys. So. People who usually lead with anger are usually somehow emotionally stunted, I think, um, because of something that happened in the past. Someone told them when they um, expressed some type of emotion that they were soft. And at that point, they decided, oh, I, no one's going to talk to me that way again. I'm never going to be soft. I can't show any emotions unless I'm with a girl. Um, and then usually sometimes those are the guys who are most emotional with girls. So uh, it's, it's just call. difficult. <laughs> great call right that's so i'm so glad you said that because that's what i talked about several episodes ago but 
I mentioned the guy that was on the basketball team way back in high school. So we're talking about still young. And he would quit the team every other week. And he was supposed to be a tough guy, but he would quit the team every week and he'd be in there crying. And I'd always ask, like, what in the world? How are you tough and crying about basketball? If you don't care, how is it hitting you this hard? And I realized then, emotionally, we are so out of control. And it connects directly to what's happening to people of color, black men in the streets today. Black men are being killed and you're looking at the responses when you're looking at the videos or all this other stuff. And it's like, man, you should still be here 100%, but you have no control over your emotions. What happened? Who did not equip you with the tools necessary to just be able to interact normally on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. And and great point, both of you, right? Yeah, that's we, we use, great, great point. We use sports because especially if you play football, right? Like especially football, they teach you to be angry all the time, right? Like mm. go out there and, and I'm going to use this because this is what they used to say. Go out there and knock somebody's dick off, right? That's what they, <laughs> that's what they used to tell us. Yes. So, um. I mean, and even if you watch a pregame, or and, and you've probably seen this, Joel. I know Gerard has. I know he's seen it firsthand because I've I've been in the, the same room with him when this has happened. Right? You'll see cats who like will take their head and just hit it on a helmet. Like, mm. what kind of emotional response is that? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you'll see guys who are like, "Come here, just slap me, slap, keep slapping me, and so I can get hyped." Like, what kind of emotional response is that? Right. Yeah. You see these weird, and and I don't know. Maybe it's the, I call it the gladiator culture of of the Western world, right? Where we have to feel as if we are the biggest, baddest thing walking the planet. Mm. That we have to prove it. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's it's crazy, right? I I think that we obviously as children we have the emotions. I think as we grow, people tell us what emotions we can and we can't have. Um, but I think in our community, um, you know, I think anger, and I'm going back to this. I think anger is a lead emotion because that's what we've been told to have, and not only has it been told to us like subconsciously, but we also get it through athletics because a lot. Let's be let's face it. Lots of us play some type of athletic thing, right? Yeah. So when we're getting this feedback all the time, oh, you you weak, you this, you that, that's how we're going to respond. We're going to respond with that anger, emotion. I mean, think about it. We in the gym, we shooting, and I just drained three threes on you, and I'm talking trash to you. You mad. I'm heated. Yeah, you mad, right? You're very like, mad. It shouldn't be yeah. that way, but, that, but that's – that's where we are, right? Because that's that's what we've been taught how we have to respond. And we don't have to respond that way. We can be like, hey, bro, you on fire. I, I got you. Maybe I'll be like that next time. <laughs> but you know, you know, Ted, I, I do want to create a, a slight differentiator right there. I think there's a difference with what you're saying because it's one thing to be disappointed in your ability to control an outcome versus 
this is a response because I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I remember one time we were playing ball, and one of my good friends, he's probably one of the best athletes I've known in my, in, in my life. Um, and it was one of the first times I couldn't stop him, and he was just he was just shutting me down on the court. And I was so frustrated. I was so angry. And then when we were talking about it was time to go home, I was like, I was like, yeah, you need to find you another ride home. But it never got to the point where it was beyond that. And even when I said that, it sounded silly to me. Yeah. I'm I'm referring more so to the point to you know what you just brought up, like where now we about to fight on the court because you're killing me. That's a totally different response. And and that's the response I'm talking about. Like when we get to that point it's embarrassment that's really all it is i'm embarrassed because this dude is killing me other people are witnessing this now i'm mad we sometimes we will get mad because we have such a high expectation of ourselves but also i believe the majority of the time when we are angry about something that's out of our control it's because of the way it's impacting us or making us look in front of other people if, if you make me look weak in front of other people, I'm not angry about that. I'm embarrassed first. Yeah. Right. So as a result, now I got to show my anger. I got to show you how bad I am. Oh, you want to try to do that? Well, watch this. That's So, you know, I agree with you. I think that there is specific traumas that we've dealt with historically that manifest themselves today where it's like this is a, a, almost like an innate response but I also have seen it far too many times where this isn't the innate response I'm not necessarily really that angry want to fight you but I'm looking okay, around and, yeah I'm looking around and seeing these people holding their mouth like ooh what am I going to do now yeah. and, man and, I I oh, think sorry, go ahead. Um, for a lot of men, especially black men, we have a uh, limited uh, quantity of emotions that we are able to uh, ascertain because, you know, when you're a child, you have all the emotions that yes. you're able to use. Yes. You can use all the, you can be embarrassed, you can be sad, you can uh, be, be happy, you can, uh, you know, just a different array of emotions that you can have. But as you grow older, and a lot of individuals tell you, though, that emotion is not okay. But guess what's always okay? Anger. Yep. Anger is, is, is always okay. Yes, sir. So at that point, we always, you know, a lot of different emotions, like you said, uh, feeling embarrassed, that turns to anger. Uh, feeling sad. Oh, that's, I'm angry now. Um, just a lot of different emotions go over to anger because that's what's okay because we as as men a lot of times we don't know how to to show those emotions to other men because guess what that person's going to call you soft and, yes, sir. and no one's really you know man enough most of the time to be like i mean i'm out this is how i'm feeling you don't tell someone like i don't like that you told me i had a big head and that's why i'm angry at you right now no so <laughs> i'm just ready to fight you yep. or i don't like that you're a better player than me so anything that you do right now i want to fight you you know, I don't like that you grew up in a better neighborhood than I did. So, therefore, uh, I feel um, less than than you. So, now I want to fight you. You know, yep. it's like a lot of these little things, if we could talk about, like, man, I wish I could have grew up that way. If that You could just say that. 
instead of you know trying to take that inside and find a way to make that person feel smaller because you feel small at that point in time. Yes. Yes. You know? yeah. And I think that's a great point. We're going to have to end it on that right there, right? Um, who knows? Maybe we'll have to revisit this again. Yeah, I think we should. Um, but yeah, so uh, final thoughts. So I know earlier I'm I'm a, I'm gonna go first because I'm going first. Why not? Um, earlier think, we had talked about, or you heard me talk about um, um, the color of law, the book, the color of law. Um, again, I, I feel like I've talked about this book before, but I encourage you to to pick it up and read what uh, these United States uh, did legally to segregate um, uh, the country without actually segregating, um, on like a law of segregating the country. So the book again is called The Color Law. If you can't obtain the book or if you're like Henry and don't like to read um, the guy who wrote the book has a TED talk it's like a 30 or 40 minute long TED talk where he talks about everything that's in the book so if you're one of those people who want to hear it there just go to YouTube and, and type in the color of law and uh, the guy should pop up and you should be able to listen to his TED talk about how um, the federal government literally segregated uh, the United States without segregating the United States. And I had that in air quotes, but yeah. Wow. That is probably a really interesting book to read. I feel like over the years I have understood the, the color of law, just segregation and, you know, interstate systems and uh, redlining and all the different tools they use. So it's I'm sure even more in that book that could open my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. And Gerard, uh, I know you popped on a little bit late, but do you have any, any final thoughts you want to share first? I, I, I want to make sure I, I defer to to you before I go. Uh, yes. Um, I feel like as, 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 as black men, we have to be, be more open with our emotions um, just because we have a wide array of emotions and different things make us feel a different type of way. And we should explore those emotions with men as, as, as ourselves, because if we don't explore them with, with men, then we'll never be OK. And, you know, talk to somebody. If you don't feel comfortable talking to your friend, find you a, a therapist or somebody that you can really talk to and kind of understand why you're feeling this way. And then realize that it may not be anger that you're feeling all the time. It could be a wide, wide array of different emotions that you have. And just dive into that and, you know, like you said, this, this is black guy therapy. If you feel like there's another black guy that you feel like can understand that more than you, then just talk to him. But if if not, then uh, find you a therapist that you can talk to because uh, I feel like that will help with your mental health and help with your life in general so you can express yourself to yourself. If you have a mate, it will help with that as well. Um, so, yeah, that's just my final thoughts. Just, you know, talk to someone and, um, you know, really express your emotions. Yeah. I, well, I love that. And and I'll say this. Oh, man, this for me, I, I, I definitely believe we need a part two. And I believe that because I, I'm sure each one of us could come up with probably five to 10 situations that we saw take place where it was because emotionally somebody did not 
know how to respond to the situation they found themselves in. And I'm thinking about all the the crime that takes place in, in communities that look like us. And I'm like, I would be willing to bet if somebody had a little bit more emotional control, they'd be like, man, this is stupid. I'm not about to get my gun out. I'm not about to try to shoot him because he said this on Instagram or on Facebook and now I need to do this so people know I'm not I ain't no joke I would be really willing to bet everything that if we could deal with the emotion or the lack of the control of emotions that exists in our communities all this nonsense we see would not be a primary issue and it would not be even a conversation as I've heard people say in the past Black men are predisposed to criminality. And clearly that's that's ridiculous. But when there are situations that take place and somebody can leverage that as an example, it's hard to fight against examples. So I do believe we need to, to kind of dig a little bit deeper into it and, and make sure that we're providing enough information where people realize you're not weak because you have another emotion besides just anger to your point to your point Gerard because I'm agreeing with yeah being mad is the only thing that's cool all the time being happy like oh man look at this look at this dude he's a goofy dude what he cheesing about oh look at him he's sad he's soft look at him he, he depressed think about the way they talked about Paul George when Paul George in the bubble came out and said he was dealing with mental issues now you got people trying to trying to push him around every single game this season. We look at it as a weakness, and, and I want us to be able to deal with that. So that's my final thought. Awesome. Well, you have heard, as I say, you've all you've heard the church announcements <laughs> um, plan accordingly. Um, go out into the world and plan accordingly based on those church announcements you just heard so um <laughs> we're probably gonna have uh i see another part of this coming at some point but um anyway if you if the, again this is your first time listening to us thanks for, for coming here um if you're a new listener hey um we're glad you're here again and uh even more new listeners thank you <laughs> so yes um we, we, we love it and we love the feedback too that we get so um, we will be back next week right next Monday hopefully we'll be back on schedule so um, nobody else has anything to say so we out peace